Today I want to talk about how ordinary people can do extraordinary things. So ordinary people can do extraordinary things. We oftentimes say, well, I, I can't do anything big for God because I'm just a regular person. You know, every person who did anything for God was a regular person. They were all just regular people, but God did some amazing things through them. Hebrews chapter 11 gives us a, a, a backward look at, uh, basically takes a look back at some of the greats, and this is what the, the uh, recorder says about Noah. It was by faith that Noah built an ark to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about something that had never happened before. By his faith, he condemned the rest of the, word, of the world and was made right in God's sight. And so this is such a powerful verse because it just encapsulates Noah's life, like all that he did for God. But I wanna break it down, if I can, into some simple things. I wanna give you five simple things we can do to really see God do great things through our life. And so check it out. It says in Genesis chapter six, this is where we start. Now the Lord observed the extent of the people's wickedness, and he saw that all their thoughts were consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will completely wipe out this human race that I have created. Yes, and I will destroy all the animals and birds too. I'm sorry I ever made them. But Noah found favor with the Lord. Now that's a pretty strong scripture. And you know, it would have been easy for me, frankly, to kind of skip over this first part. You know, okay, God was gonna flood the world. And then, you know, God, you know, told Noah, build a boat. We can talk all about that. But we have to not ignore the reason why God flooded the world. We can't ignore that. And the reason why God flooded the world is because he was fed up with the world's sinfulness. He was basically like, I, I made you, I gave you this wonderful earth to live on, I have blessed you, I've given you the perfect environment to, to populate the earth, to multiply, to grow your crops, to live your lives, and, do, and what you've done instead is all that I've given you, you have turned it all around and made it all about you. You've ignored that there's a God. You've ignored my word, you've ignored my truth. And God says, I'm, I'm just not gonna put up with that. And so he didn't. And so God actually pulled the trigger on this one. He didn't just say, I'm warning you, he then did it. Now I wanna show you another scripture here in Matthew chapter 24. It says, when the son of man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. Wow. So God was like, hey, I'm gonna come back. And when I do, it's not gonna be good news for everybody. There's gonna be a lot of people who didn't honor the Lord with their life, and there will be a, a, an impending judgment for that. He goes on to say, people didn't realize what was going to happen. I'm sorry, let me back up. It says, in those days before the flood, the people were enjoying parties right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. It's pretty strong. But I want to remind you of another verse that we sometimes, we, we quote it in the positive, but it goes both ways. Galatians chapter 6 says this, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. So your actions do have powerful results. And I just feel like in today's world, we have, we have turned, we now say what's wrong is right and what's right is wrong. And you need to understand that God is going to get his belly full of us and there will be a judgment. God's like, I love you, but I will not sit back and let you destroy yourselves, continue to hurt other people, and, ex and not expect God to, to do something. So I just, just have to let you know, you know, we, we, we forget that about our society. We've totally blown out God. We, we've started to make it all about ourselves. People literally laugh at people who believe in God. 
And let's just ask, how's it going? How's our economy going right now? How's world peace turning out? How are things going? Look at all the major statistics from depression to suicide to divorce. And I think it's pretty obvious that we need to come back to God. So I just think there's something real simple here that we forget. That God wants us to draw close to him. And if we'll do that, he will turn things around. The good news is that God's like, I'm warning you, but I will, I will show you my grace. But you've got to make a decision. Are you going to get in the boat or not? Because God is saying that he will, he will follow through on his word. And we forget that. So I just, I just feel like it's important as a pastor that I remind you that God is a God of love. He's a God of grace. But he's also a God of justice. And we can't sit back and think that we can continue to serve ourselves and that won't have an impact. Some of you are like, wow, I came today in this environment of all the storm to hear that. But I believe that God is speaking to us. It's interesting that I'm talking about Noah and there's a storm out. I'm just saying that we may want to pay attention. Now, here's the good news. God chooses people to do the extraordinary, not based upon their ability, but based upon their availability. Noah was available to God. And so God did great things through him. And so his availability was a game changer. At no point do we hear that Noah had any special skills. God didn't say, and Noah had special carpentry skills. Didn't even say that. Yet God used him to build a boat, a massive boat, by the way, and, and he had no special skills. He simply was available, and that was enough. I heard about a guy who, uh, he, he, he said that one time when he was in high school, a girl called him up and said, hey, my parents aren't home. No one's home. Why don't you come over? He's like, done. So he hangs out the phone, jumps in the car, drives over, thinking this is going to be a good time. And he said he got there, and he realized, yep, she was right. No one was home. <laughs> Here's my question for you. Are you available for sin or are you available for God? It's just a simple question. It's amazing how available we are when someone says, hey, we're going to go out and we're going to do this. We're gonna, oh, I'm there. But are we available for God? And so it's really not about our ability. It's about our availability. And, and before you think, yeah, but I, I don't, I'm not that spiritual. My life is not tied together and, and I don't have everything going on and I don't have everything worked out. So God can't use me. Well, let me just give you a quick list here. You know, Moses had a stuttering problem. He was also happened to be a murderer. Peter vacillated back and forth and also had a temper problem. David struggled with lust. Uh, Abraham was a known liar. Jacob was a selfish deceiver as well. Joseph had an ego problem about bragging. Mary Magdalene was possessed by demons. You know, I mean, I could go on and on. Paul was not just a murderer. He was an, he was an assassin of Christians. And God used all of them. So please do not let the devil stop you from using your gifts and your abilities and just being available to God because of something in your past or even something you presently struggle with. We all struggle with sin. Just be available to God. God can do great things. God can do great things to us if we'll simply be available. So choose to be available to God. And number two, become a moral standout. Become a moral standout. Now this does not mean that you're ever gonna get it all right and be perfect. But look what the scripture says in Genesis 6 verse 9. This is the history of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless man living on the earth at the time. He consistently followed God's will and enjoyed a close relationship with him. Now, the word here is blameless. It never says perfect. 
So it says Noah was blameless. What does that mean? It means he was doing his best to honor God, but he blew it at times too. But he was really trying to honor God. I think it really is in the try. It's not in you being perfect. It's, uh, God, I'm willing to do my best, but I know I'll still blow it. Sometimes I'll still lose my temper. Sometimes I'll still say words I'll regret. Sometimes I'll still do things I regret. Sometimes I, I, I make mistakes, but I'm really trying to honor you. And if you will do that, God can do great things in your life. So I just want to encourage you to be willing to live differently than those around you. Are we willing to be a moral standard, a standout? A Haitian pastor tells the story of a man who, uh, who sold his house to someone and that the buyer said, hey, listen, I'll buy your house at a discount if, if uh, the, the seller said, I'm sorry, the seller said, I will sell my house at a discount to the buyer if you let me retain one nail in the home. And he was like, sure, that'd be great. Yeah, if it's a discount, no problem. He goes, all you want is a nail, just one nail. The rest of the home is yours, but I own that one nail. He's like, no problem. A number of years later, the, uh, the one who sold the man the house came, came back to that family and he said, hey, I want to buy the house back. And the guy said, no, it's not for sale. And he says, well, I still retain my nail. He goes, I know you do. It was in the contract. He said, okay. And he showed up the next day with a dead dog and hung the carcass of the dead dog on the one nail. Within a month, the home was unlivable and they were forced to sell the house back to its original owner. And the point is real simple. If you leave one spot for the devil to still own in your life, he will eventually take back over your whole life. So we have to choose to be a no compromise people for God to bless us. If you want God's hand on your life, what area, what little, it's not much, it's just a little, yeah, I know, but that one little piece can destroy everything. So what is it that God brought you here today as he puts an exclamation on today's message with thunder in the background, <laughs> that he is warning you, saying, don't ignore what I'm telling you today. God is speaking today. I can't make this stuff up. I'm not that good, but he is. And he's speaking to someone today. I believe that. <laughs> I definitely believe God is speaking today. So God wants us to be available. He wants us to be a moral standout. And this is important. He wants us to do our part before he does his part. Do your part before asking God to do his part. Oh God, bring me a godly man or woman. And the Lord's like, well, why don't you work on you being godly then? That's your part of the equation. We forget that we have a part to play. And so look what happens in verse 13. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them out, all out along with the earth. Build a large boat from cypress wood and make it waterproof with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. God goes into much more instruction here. We're going to kind of skip over that part, but there is great detail that God tells Noah to follow. And Noah did exactly as he was told. He built a boat that survived the greatest flood of the world. And the only way you're going to survive the greatest attacks in your life is if you follow God in details. Will we obey God in details? the details. We have a part 
and then God has a part. Let me just give you a few examples of this. Your part may be to say you're sorry. God's part is to restore the relationship. Your part is to tithe. It's God's part to bless you. Your part is to eat clean. It's God's part to melt the fat away. It's your part to save money. It's God's part to grow the investment. It's your part to attend church. It's God's part to speak to you. It's your part to study. It's God's part to help you with the test. Do your part, and then God will do his part. You have to do what only you can do. And then God will do what only he can do. That's just the way God works. By the way, next week, you don't want to miss, we're talking about Esther next week, how to be courageous. We're going to talk to Esther, and she's going to walk with us next week and, and explain how she had to be courageous. The time came when it was speak up or don't speak up. And so, and I think we're about there, aren't we? Isn't it time for us to start speaking up again? You know, it's just crazy where our world's at. If we don't get verbal about our faith and about why we believe what we believe, the world's just gonna take over. So we have to be verbal and don't worry, God's got your back. Stick to the truth and God will truly have your back. Do your part and then God will do his part. He really will. You know, it was Noah's part to build this ark and have all these animals, but it was God's part to get all those animals all over the world to the boat. So I just want to encourage you, just do your part. You know, it's by faith that the snail and his lady friend found the boat, right? Think about how long that took. So I just want to encourage you that if you'll do your part, God will do what only he can do. And so look what happens in Genesis chapter 7. Now we have this great flood. On that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of heavens were open, and rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. I want to point something out here. It says, on that day, the day that it began to rain, springs of the great deep burst forth. That means water came from the ground. You know, God has sources you don't even know about. If you'll trust the Lord, he can cause something to burst through out of nowhere. The floodgates can burst open and God will bless you. He can take care of you. So God released uh, a resource that we didn't even know was there. In fact, we, we know oceanographers know it's there, but the average person doesn't know. Did you know that there's, there's a subterranean ocean? There's an ocean below the ocean. God's resources are so deep that even the furthest depths, he says, I have more than you can even get to. There are depths that I go that you don't even realize exist. It's incredible. In fact, oceanographers, when they go that deep, they have found fish that we didn't know even were alive. So I just wanna encourage you, there are depths to God that you don't even realize are there. Speaking of that, this word floodgate is also used in Malachi chapter three. It says, will a man, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the what? Floodgates. God says, see if I don't throw open resources you didn't even know you had. He says, I will release from above, from below, from all around. You thought, where is this coming from? God's like, me. I stored it up. You didn't even know it was there. There are more resources available to you that are coming your way, and the only thing holding it back is your obedience. If we'll obey God, he will release what only he can do. I want to show you another scripture, Genesis chapter 7, verse 13. That very day Noah had gone into the boat with his wife and his son, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives. By the way, isn't it interesting that they all got saved too? How did they get saved? Their daddy obeyed the Lord. Do you real? Thank you, God. 
Do you realize that when you obey God, other people's lives in, all around you are saved also? Did you realize it doesn't just affect you? If you disobey God, did you not realize that your disobedience affects others also? Your obedience affects others, and so does your disobedience. It really does. It says here that they went with them in the boat were pairs of every kind of animal, two by two, came into the boat, representing every living thing that breathes. A male and female of each, of each kind entered, just as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord closed the door. I don't know about you, but I just think that's cool. Because think about that. Noah's like, uh, God, I, when he's building a boat, at what point when he was building a boat did he stop and realize, God, I don't, who's going to close the door? Because whoever closes the door, they're just going to die outside the door. So who in the world wants that job, right? Like, that's not the job any of us want. Like, uh, Lord, who's going to close the door? And God's like, you just filled the boat. I got the door. And this is a, a case where God closed the door, and aren't we glad he did? When's the last time you thank God that he closed the door? Because you don't know what he just kept out of your life. You don't know the nightmare you missed because they did break up. You don't know how bad it could have been if you could have got the job. You don't know how bad it would have been if you would have got the promotion. You don't know what would have come your way if you would have been accepted by that peer group. So God sometimes closes doors to protect you as much as he opens doors to bless you. And so when God opens a door, no man can shut it. And when God closes a door, no man can open it. So I just want to challenge you to trust the Lord with the doors he opens and closes. Number four, when you obey God, you activate his hand and his provision. You activate his hand and that his hand will close the door. And you activate his provision in the water that we didn't even know was there. God can release that to you as well. I'll never forget just a few months ago, we had our, our annual offering. And a young man came out. I, was, I, I just finished preaching and I went around and I was in, in the atrium to greet people on their way out. And this young man came up to me and holding his phone. He goes, you're not going to believe this. He goes, I didn't want to give. I was down to my last few, few dollars and the Lord put on my heart to go ahead and give it. And I gave the whole thing. And he goes, and I'm walking out. My phone pings and there's an email. I got the job. Within a minute of me obeying God, I got the job. And every week it seems like he finds me to tell me something else God's doing in his life now. You see, when you obey God, God works on your behalf. When you obey God, God protects your children. Even, did you notice it never says that Noah's sons obeyed God. Noah's sons were following God. No, they were just blessed just because Noah did. In the same way, your kids have a massive advantage, even if they're disobeying God, if you'll just simply stay faithful, they'll have something to come back to. So I just want to challenge you, just stay in the boat and honor God, because when you obey him, he does things that only he can do. Hey, I want to start real quick, and I want to say thank you, by the way, to all of our campuses, everyone who stepped up online as well to, for our camp scholarships. We need about $50,000. 30,000 came in last week alone. Thank you for sacrificing. That's incredible. <laughs> Amazing. want to challenge you. Honestly, when the weather first hit, and I thought we were going to lose power, and we weren't going to be able to record, my greatest concern wasn't even my sermon. My greatest concern was I'm just going to tell you what went through my mind was, Lord, I've got two weeks to raise $20,000 more so that we don't turn any kid away from camp. So I'm thanking God right now that this video is up, it's recording, so I can ask you, would you help make sure 
that the last $20,000 comes in. So I wanted to just, just commit to you as well. I'm not asking you to do something I'm not doing. So I went ahead and, and my, my family, we're upping it today. We're giving $1,000 and maybe 20 uh, families would join me in that today. And so just to give above and beyond your tithe to make sure kids go to camp. I refuse to let kids miss camp. I just won't let it happen. I, I, I can't make this up. I mean, so would you give the camp? Now is a pretty good time to do that. So we're going to put uh, something on the screen. I'm sorry. We've been running around trying to make sure things happen. So we'll put a, a, a thing on the screen right now. But basically, just go to churchunlimited.com. Am I getting this right, Pastor Michael? And then just click on give, and there'll be a, there's a line item. You can click camp and give today. So would you do that? I appreciate that. I believe that God will bless that. I think God wants that to happen. And uh, because I don't think any of our kids should miss camp. Cool? Thanks, God. Thank you, Lord. This is a great sermon you're preaching today. Wow. Kind of blown away here. So do your part, and God will do his part. Wow. Genesis chapter 7. Let's go all the way to the end here. So Noah did exactly as the Lord had commanded him. Let me read that again. We forget this about Noah. Noah did exactly as the Lord commanded him. You know what scholars tell us how long this little obedient step of God uh, that, that, that Noah did was? About 75 years. He built a boat for 75 years. He was building a boat with no rain for 75 years. I just want you to grasp the faithfulness of that for a moment. Sometimes I think the Lord allows there to be a longer wait so that when there's more lines that we have to wait in in life, we're not so impatient. For example, did you know when Noah finally got in the boat, it was another seven days before it started raining. So he sat in the boat when there's dry land all around him because the Lord told him, get in the boat. He's like, God, you told me to get in the boat and it's not raining. And he sat there with the door, with the door open until God closed it when the rain started for seven days. Kids were like, hey, I'm going to run out. And they're like, no, 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 you're not. We're going to obey God. We're going to stay. Oh, but I forgot one thing. Yep, yep, you just need to let that go. God told us to get in the boat. We're going to stay in the boat. Just stay. And you may have thought, man, I wonder how many neighbors came up the edge of the boat and was like, what are you guys doing here? Oh, we're just sitting here waiting for the rain. <laughs> rain. What's that? What are you talking about? Yeah, you and your little weird family over here, you and your little weird beliefs, you guys just be weird over here. I'm going to go live my life. Yeah, how'd that work out about seven days later? See, we forget that. That it just took obedience, but it also took a waiting period. Then when it started raining, it didn't stop raining for 40 days. She's just waiting. What's it doing today? Still raining. Next day, still raining. What's it doing now? Still raining. And when the rain finally stopped, it was months before they finally saw the top of one mountain. Then after that, eventually, their, their boat landed on one mountain, Mount Ararat, and then it stayed there. And guess what? 40 more days waiting for it to clear. I mean, in the time that he got in the boat to the time he actually left the boat was 377 days. That's a wait. After 75 years. Guys, faithfulness takes time, but you'd be amazed what God can do if you just stay faithful. Today happens to be my 29-year wedding anniversary. And... I was getting dressed this morning. My wife came in, gave me a beautiful kiss like we we're newlyweds and said, happy anniversary, babe. 29 years. I can't believe that. You know, how do you build a great family? Just faithfulness. 
Just staying true to what God spoke to you does that. I just want to encourage you today that sometimes we need to hear from someone who's been around a while to remember that if you'll stay faithful, God can do things you never dreamed possible. So here's my last point. It's real simple. Don't give up. Never give up. Don't quit. There's an Olympic race that we don't talk about much that the early Greeks used to do, the, the originators of the Olympics. But the winner of this race wasn't who ran the fastest. The winner of this particular race was who could complete the run with their torch still lit. And my challenge to you today is to stay faithful and keep your torch lit. Keep your fire on for God, for his word, for his truth. No matter what the world throws at us, just stay faithful. Because he wants us not to win the race. He wants us to finish the race. So be a finisher. Finish the marriage. Finish being faithful to your family. Finish walking with God. Finish in all the details of what God spoke to you, he doesn't want you to start things. He wants you to finish the boat. Finish the act of obedience. And if you'll do that, you're doing your part, then God <laughs> will do his part. Would you bow your heads with me, every head bowed, every eye closed? I think God has put an exclamation point on today's message. He's clearly speaking to us. And I'm going to be honest with you, maybe today God's warning you. I don't know how you cannot hear God today. God has given us his thunder. He has caused it to rain as we talk about Noah today. I did not, by the way, check my weather app before writing the sermon. God's just good like that. So what is he warning you about? Where do you have a nail that you've surrendered to the enemy that could cost you your whole house? What's God speaking to you about? What's he saying? It's time to let go of that. It's time to take that nail down. You see, when, when Christ died for us, he, he bought us with a price. The price was his life. He bought all of us. So what area have you not surrendered to God? Maybe for you, it's your finances. You've obeyed the Lord in so many areas, but you've never really tithed. Maybe it's time. You say, Pastor, you just don't know how tight it is in my family. Could it be that it's not I'm tight so I don't tithe? Could it be I don't tithe and that's why it's tight? Could it be you're not living under the blessing of God? Maybe for you, you need to learn from Noah to be a moral standout, to say, God, I want to be who I say I am in public when I'm in private, when no one's around. Lord, I want to honor you with everything that I see with my eyes, with everything that I hear with my ears, with every place my feet walk me into. I want, to, want those to be places of honor, places of righteousness. God, I need to live differently. I'm asking you to bless my life, but Lord, the truth is, I'm living like the world. If that's you today, commit to God. Just say, God, I'm tired of living like the world and expecting you to bless it. I'm willing to be a moral standout. I'm willing to do the right thing. This may be an unpopular message, but let me tell you something. Popularity won't win you much today because what's popular is the falling apart. What's popular is divorce. What's popular is depression. What's popular is hopelessness. Do you really want to be in the in crowd? Are you sure? Are you sure that's what your life is supposed to be about? Let's be different. Let's be holy. Let's be set apart for God. Let's be broken before the Lord. I don't speak to you today as someone who's got it all together. I speak to you today as the first broken man to step up and say, God, I need you desperately. 
I need you, God, to change me. I'm not who I say I am half the time. I want to be a man of God. I want to be a woman of God. I want to honor you. I want to be the person that you've made me to be, God. So when no one's around, just like Noah, I don't just want to, to, to cover the outside of the boat. I don't just want to, to, to cover that. I want to cover the inside that no one sees. The part no one even notices. I want to do that right too. Lord, I want to obey you in the parts that no one would even ask me about, but you do, God. I want to obey you in those areas. Would you commit that to God? Say, Lord, I want to obey you in areas that maybe no one will know about, but me and you, Lord, but I want to obey you in that. Follow the Lord. What's he speaking to you? What's he telling you? Do it. Obey God. Thank you, God. Right now, even the Lord's speaking to me as I'm preaching to you about some private areas. I just need to obey him. How about you? Obey God. Your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you've never given your life to Christ, you can receive him right now. Praying brings very simple prayer. It's not complicated at all. Give your life to Jesus by praying this prayer. You can say this with us out loud. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I trust my life in your hands. I repent of my sin. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. With your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you just gave your life to Christ, no one's looking around. Would you just lift your hand high? If you just gave your life to Christ, just hold your hand high. If you just received Jesus, praise God. Just hold your hand high. There's hands going up all across our campuses right now. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. God loves you and God warns you. And then God saves you. Praise God. God loves you. God warns you. And then, if you obey him, he saves you. In other words, Noah's story is the gospel. It's the story of Jesus. And every great Old Testament story is just the gospel. He loves us. He warns us. If we obey him, he saves us. Thank you, God, for your word and your truth today. Thank you for the exclamation point you've put on it. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? <laughs> Woo! His word is so true.